Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of It's Personal. Uh, the last book I wrote was heavy. All right. Hey, Gary. This is Evie. Uh, my name is Randy Rebine. Uh, but my name is Jared Krizoska. I don't think I'm a person that curses a lot. Heart just goes out to everybody. I'm excited. Awesome. Hi. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Remy Lai, and I'm an, um, an author and illustrator. Um, I have three books, uh, two books out so far. So the first one is Find the Sky. And the second one is Fly on the Wall. So both are prose and um, graphic novel hybrid. So it looks like it's got text, but it also has lots of pictures like that. Um, and then um, my next book that is coming out in May is actually a full graphic novel. And it's called Pocasso. Um, it's about a dog. <laughs> it's super fun. Um, the colors are done by Sam Bennett. Uh, the colors are really beautiful. And then it's actually um, inspired by my dog, which I might show you here. Hold on. Okay. Hey. Wow. So cute. So cute. So, uh, yeah, that's me. That is awesome. And, you know, I'm so excited again just to talk to you because um, I have so many questions for you outside of the, like, I guess, world of writing and drawing books. Like, what do you like to do for fun? <laughs> I like to, well, I walk my dogs a lot. Um, I jog with my dogs. I've got two. Um, you've met one of them. Um, <laughs> Uh, but they're getting on in year in years. They're kind of they're ten and eleven, um, so they're kind of slowing down. So I'm actually looking into getting a, a stroller for them, <laughs> so that I can push them around and they can still go for walks. Um, might sound really weird, but uh, I can't just leave them at home and not walk them. Um, and I've actually been trying to find so because I've been having like writing and drawing as a hobby for a really long time um, before I got published. But now I'm doing writing and drawing full time. Then I kind of needed to find like a new hobby, um, which is actually really hard to do. Um, and then so recently, uh, recently I got, uh, I picked up the piano. <laughs> so I got a piano, um, like a digital piano. Um, and I'm very, very slowly learning it. It's really hard because music is really wow. not I, I really I can't do music <laughs> but that's why I kind of chose music because I like it but that I know that I'm so bad at it that I don't have the pressure to be good <laughs> so I allow myself to do it at a really slow pace and I have no like huge ambitions for it like I'll just do it for fun so that <laughs> is amazing that is so cool good for you good for you and I think my other question for you is we talked about it briefly before we um, pressed record like how are I always I'm, I'm always um, mindful of this question because I know that everyone's story is different but um, because of the times that we're in in regards to the pandemic um, how are things going with family um, just the situation in Australia so uh, Australia so we have actually still been doing um, in-person school visits we're actually still um, uh, allowed to do that so and for my state and for most other states in Australia, um, life is pretty much almost normal, um, except for travel. Um, and then there are periods where we have to wear masks, but usually not, we don't have to. And um, 
But the thing is, I my family lives in um, in Indonesia, so I I usually visit them once a year, but I haven't been able to. Um, so it, like last year I couldn't, and then so I this year it looks like I I can't either um, because it's really hard to be allowed to go out, and then because when I return, it would be really hard for me to return to Australia um, because mm-hmm. of the hotel quarantine and the limits on the number of incoming travelers. So that part um, is really quite hard. Um, but aside from that, we've been really lucky here. Um, yeah, life is pretty much um, normal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think it's one of those things where <laughs> I know I'm from Nova Scotia. And again, I mentioned this before, but there's certain places that tend to um, have been able to jump on the idea of just like what it could look like for their countries and their provinces and they've been able to manage it well and some countries have been a little bit unlucky um, in regards to just the number of people that are there the cases that come in um, it's just a really hard time right now for for everyone um, so I'm just happy to again be here and talking with you um, and to learn more about you um, outside of um, the awesome work that you do on paper for, for children yeah can you can you tell us a little bit about um, just your uh, background growing up. So maybe you can start as Remy, um, little Remy in the house growing up <laughs> with um, maybe your family. Yeah, sure. So I was born in Indonesia and then um, when I was about nine, um, I moved to Singapore. Um, that's where I grew up uh, before I came to Australia. Uh, yeah, so I, um, so I learned English when I was nine years old. <laughs> and um, so that so every year I actually I still go back to both Indonesia and Singapore um, to meet my family and my friends. It's, as um, like it's really hard making friends as an adult. I think <laughs> so. Most, <laughs> most of my friends um, are friends that I made back in like primary school or high school um, back in Singapore. Um, yeah, and uh, I have. I have four siblings, um, so a huge family, um, and I'm like I'm the middle child. And um, yeah, what else would you like to know? Wow, Remy, that's so cool. I taught, and I don't know if I told you, but I taught in Singapore for four years, both me and my wife, um, and we loved Singapore so much. Um, the efficiency was just like mine; like it just was so crazy to us. Like we love efficiency, but like. Singapore efficiency is just very different than anybody else's efficiency. Um, but we love just like the way they really drive innovation, like in regards to the infrastructure and just the things they bring to the country in itself. Like every day we would walk outside when we were down in different areas, we would see new things. Um, and it was just a very cool place to spend four years and get to know um and the people it was it was just really really lovely so I love that that was a that we have a connection there yeah yeah and yeah. I don't know do you do you like the food <laughs> oh my god I love the food <laughs> yes like I I absolutely and one of the things I love about the food in itself is that there's so many different types of food that you can get um and like you can get some of the best food from like just a hawker stall like it could be it will be the best food that you've had like in any place in the world and it comes from like a hawker stall where there's like a mom and a dad or a grandfather and like a grandson or whoever it is just like a family 
restaurant that has been there for years and they've just they're just cooking right in front of you the most beautiful dish that like you've ever had in your entire life and i just love i love that that you can do that um in singapore it's one one of my favorite things to do is just go to a hawker stall um, and just have a meal there. Yeah, I love the food. Love the food. Yeah, <laughs> the food is so awesome. good. Yeah, it's so good. What do you? What do you? What in regards to? Let's. I love talking about food. Sorry. In regards to. <laughs> in regards to food, um, in Australia, I'm trying to think. Like, what, what does that look like for you? Like, do you guys have places where you can get that same feeling, like Singapore or even Indonesia? In Indonesia, you can. Um, we have like um, roadside stalls. We don't actually have hawker centers, but maybe food courts. We have food courts like in Singapore. Um, so um, the food Indonesia and Singapore would be kind of um, similar. Um, and then in Australia, you probably wouldn't, you can't find like the same kinds of food, I guess. Um, we have like maybe farmers market sometimes and they would have like food stalls and that um but they're generally pretty um pricey um and yeah like if i want to get um what do i say in singapore maybe i would get like stingray have you had <laughs> like chili no. stingray no oh, yes <laughs> yeah. i had like are you talking it's like chili crab or is that different well there's there's chili crab also but Chili crab is like expensive everywhere. <laughs> crab. <laughs> but stingray, stingray is like a lot cheaper. <laughs> yeah, like you can get stingray from like a hawker, a hawker stall. Yeah. It's so cool. It's funny. I took my mom to um, have chili crab. My mom and my dad um, when they came from Nova Scotia, and it was just it was so fun, so much fun. They had like the big kind of like. Um, I don't want to call it a bib because it's not a bib, but it's kind of like the thing the that plastic. you put on your yeah. okay. <laughs> And um, I mistakenly ordered, like, my mom does not like hot food, like, at all. <laughs> so I mistakenly ordered, like, two, like, relatively hot chili crab instead of one with, like, tomato paste. And it did not go very well. <laughs> I can imagine. Lots of um, food in Singapore with food are like spicy. And that's why I love it. That's exactly yeah. why I love it so much because it's so spicy. Can you tell us about your schooling when you, you did your schooling in Singapore, you said? Yes, I did. What was it like? What was it like in Singapore? Uh, so I, when I was in Indonesia, so I was a really terrible student. <laughs> like, <laughs> but when I moved to Singapore, um, so because I, when I moved then like, my, actually, my parents sent us, sent me and my sisters there, and I so I kind of realized because of the exchange rate for the currency, so I realized that my parents actually spent a lot of money to put me there, and suddenly I realized maybe I should be more responsible, <laughs> and I kind of started studying when I was in um, when I was in Singapore. So I got pretty good grades when I was in Singapore, and I also so that was when I learned English for the first time, and then also I took Mandarin because <laughs> you know how you have to do like a I don't know if they still have to do it now, but you have to do like a second language. Uh, okay, yeah. yeah. So my mom made me take Mandarin <laughs> when I wanted to take Malay because Malay is very close to Indonesian. So like I wouldn't have to learn much. Like I already knew it. Um, but my mom made me take Mandarin and it was like the hardest thing in the world. <laughs> I was so mad at her. 
Um, but now that I'm fluent in Mandarin, I really thank her. Um, yeah, because I now I can really appreciate the language. Um, yeah, and I also so um, um, in Australia we also have uniforms, and the Singapore also have uniforms, and I actually really like that, so that I don't have to, to like think about what to wear to go to school every day. So mm-hmm. yeah. Wow, wow. It is interesting because I was in, well, I taught at an American school, so I know it was very different probably from your experience. Um, But one of the things I loved about the school that I was in, I think maybe just international teaching in itself, was just like the variety of people. Um, And I thought that's what I got a lot of just in general in Singapore, is just like a variety of people um, from lots of different places. Whether it was expats, people that have been living there for their entire lives. Um, and then there's little pockets of places like, even though it feels, I don't wanna say it feels segregated, but like even though there's spots in Singapore like Little India, Chinatown, etc., I actually really loved that that opportunity was there for me. Like one of my favorite streets was like um, Haji Lane and you could just go there and you could, eat and you could drink and you can see friends and it's just I don't know there's so many little pockets like that in Singapore that both me and my wife just love so much Um, and we appreciated that because it seemed like they're really trying to bring lots of different people together and that was the sense that we got while we were there yeah it, it was it's such a cool place it's such a cool place yeah and so the schools that I went to were um I don't know how you call it, not international schools. Um, so they yeah. were like a local. So mm-hmm. I kind of grew up as a local and like, I speak Singlish. <laughs> so I like, no, nobody that. could tell that I wasn't, <laughs> I was Indonesian. Like they just took me as um, Singaporean because I speak that way. I Now, right now you can't really tell because I'm in Australia, but whenever I speak to a Singaporean, it just takes me like a little bit of talking to them before I switch automatically back <laughs> to Singlish. And I just, I really miss that language. <laughs> I love it. I love that. I love that. Um, and I guess my other can question. You, can you speak English? I can can't. I wish, ah. no, I, no, I wish I could. I really wish I could. And that's what I think one of the cool things about, um, I think, Singapore in itself, or maybe just, again, international schools. It's like you, I taught, I teach third grade, but then I have kids in my class that teach or that speak like three, four different languages. And then on top of that, they're going to Mandarin or they're going to Chinese and they're learning another language on top of what they already know. It's just so, kids are just so impressive. And I wish that I would have paid closer attention in French class when I was in Canada. (laughs) I I know like zero French. Um, My wife knows French, but yeah, I think another thing that I love about Singapore is just like the the language, the language is there as well. And Slinglish is so cool. I think it's such a cool way of like giving a country in itself like this really, like it's only certain people know Slinglish and they are able to understand it as well. So I just love that. Yeah. Yeah, I and I find that. like there are certain words in Slinglish that, that if this doesn't exist in English, um, I don't know, like maybe, I don't know if you know Shok. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh no, I don't know. <laughs> No, you have to go back to Singapore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't don't judge me, please. Don't judge me. <laughs> okay, how <I> <laughs> So tell us what are what were some of your things that you'd like to do growing up? 
in regards to activities? Like what would your family like to do? What would a family outing look like? Uh, so I actually, so because I moved to Singapore, I, I actually moved without my parents. So it's only me and my sisters and then later my brothers. But at first without, uh, it was without my parents. So, but I, but I, whenever during school holidays, I get to go back to Indonesia and spend time with them and with my parents and my dad works a lot. Um, but on weekends we get to drive out to the countryside, um, just to visit the countryside, I guess. Um, I don't actually know what we do when we get there. <laughs> but uh, I remember long drives in the car, my dad driving long drives. And then and then we would stop like along the way to buy like the snacks that I sold like at the roadside. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't actually know where we go. Where do we go? <laughs> <laughs> um, and you also... And, uh, yeah, no, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, and then in school, I also, I was really, I was pretty good at sports um, in school. I did um, netball, which is a Singapore thing, <laughs> which is also an Australian thing, but doesn't exist in America. <laughs> yeah, so I did netball. And then um, later on, I also did cross country. Um, yeah, I think that's it. It's busy. And you also had said you had siblings, right? Yeah, I do. I have four siblings. Four siblings. So that must have been a busy house. Yeah, very busy. Lots of fights. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, are you in the middle? Or are you one of yeah, the older? I'm in the, in the middle. I'm in the middle. So I, I was, I'm like at the right age, like age get with everyone to fight with everybody. Because <laughs> you know how like the, my older sister never fights with the youngest one because the age gap is too big. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. Remy, Remy, were there other um, authors or illustrators in your family? No. Um, so the funny thing is my sisters and I, when we were little, I think we all drew. So we like to doodle. Um, my mom would give us chalk and then we would draw on our wooden door. That's like our blackboard, sort of. Um, but then as we grew older, um, I was pretty much the only one who kept drawing. My sisters kind of dropped out of it. They lost interest. And then so I was mm. the only one. Um, yeah, and right now I'm the only one who is in the art industry. So um, I, one of my sisters is a scientist, and then the other one, and then my other sister and my brothers, they're all in business. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And do you feel like that's like a, I've talked to other um, illustrators and authors, um, and to be honest, like the majority of the people that I like to talk to uh, based on experiences are people that are from like the global majority. So they definitely, they come from like the BIPOC community. So they're people of color. Um, and the stories sound so similar like yours um, in regards to um, being one of the only ones in their family that have um, taken on like illustrating or being an author. Um, and I, I, I want to dig into that a little bit just because I, I, I think that is such an interesting topic. And I wonder what that process was like for you um, in regards to just like support, um, being a little bit different. Um, <laughs> the, I think also with illustrations and, author, and being an author, like it doesn't happen so quickly. Like you don't necessarily just go to school get your papers, get into a job right away. So take it, 
I personally believe that it's, it is harder. So what was that process like for you? Um, and what did, the, <laughs> what did the support like support look like for you? Um, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. torture. <laughs> it was torture. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. So because sometimes kids in school, when I go to school, and then kids ask me, like, are your parents okay with you being an author? And then I look at them and I've, I want to say that they're okay, but they're not. <laughs> and I kind of want to be honest with them just in case those kids' parents are not okay with them, like wanting to pursue arts. Um, so I, I didn't know that I wanted to be an author or illustrator until I was in college. Um, it just didn't occur to me. I, I guess because um, it, it wouldn't occur to most Singaporeans, I want to say. Um, I'm not. I'm just because it's not... It's not a career path that is, I don't know, that is stable. So most parents, I'm generalizing, but most parents wouldn't want their kids to be in arts because it's it's unstable. It, it doesn't pay very well, I guess. Um, um, and like in school, you're always kind of taught to like get good results, become a, become a doctor, become a lawyer or something like that. So it just didn't occur to me. Um, and then, and because I got good grades. Um, I'm bragging here, but I got really good grades. So, um, so yeah. So I I I did dentistry um, actually for a bit. <laughs> uh, I knew that I didn't want to be a doctor, um, but then I thought maybe dentistry like is working with hands. Maybe it's something that I might enjoy. So my mom was really happy about that because yeah, you're finally a doctor in the family. Um, but I kind of when I after a few years, I kind of realized that. I was miserable <laughs> and um, I didn't want to continue and so I dropped out um, so my mom was really mad <laughs> and um, so my dad at this time wasn't in the picture because she passed away before that um, so uh, yeah so it was also I felt so much guilt for for giving up I guess the opportunity to be a doctor um, my parents worked so hard to send me to school overseas and everything, so it was a lot of guilt. Um, and and then after that, I I studied fine art um, because I, by this time my mom had like given up on me, <laughs> so I think she would be like, "Okay, do whatever you want." Um, but um, so she wasn't happy, but I know that um, like she wants the best. She wants me to be happy also, but. I guess it just it took her a long time to see that I yeah. could possibly be happy doing that. I yeah. don't know. I, I don't know how how I want to say this. Um so um but obviously like I it took me a long time to get my first book deal and everything else. And um so for, um I also worked as a dog groomer. Um uh, because with I when I studied fine arts, I I couldn't actually get a job with that. Um, it was also a, <laughs> so I worked as a dog groomer um, for years uh, before I actually got my book deal and um, and I think my mom is happier for me now um, but she's still worried because this is still a pretty unstable gig I want to say compared mm -hmm. to like other mm -hmm. jobs. Of course, yeah. of course, of course. And I think everyone's journey is different, right? Um, and I think there's also joy and um, pleasure in the journey at times. And there's obviously hard stuff, right? As you mentioned, um, and sometimes the hard stuff 
unfortunately has to do with family, right? Because family, I think they, I think honestly, they do it, my personal opinion, because they love you, right? They really want you to be successful. And when things are a little bit unconventional, that's when they start to feel a little bit worry of um, anything, right? And I think that's life. I think it does show a sense of care um, and a sense of love, though at times, obviously, for you, it's like pressure and stress and all those other things as well. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for thank you for sharing that. Thank you. I have just a few more questions for you, okay? Um, and I think one of them t is just around the, I guess, your process of how you got to where you you are today, um, and just. I think you talked about how for a while you weren't doing the writing or you're doing the writing and you're working with dogs. Like, I think it's important for people to hear about just like that journey in itself um, because it doesn't just happen overnight. Um, how did it happen for you? Like, what was the process for you? Was it submitting certain manuscripts? Was it sending in different illustrations? Um, what was that pro what did that process look like for you? Um, so I started out actually um, writing um, graphic novels and drawing them of course. So I would submit um, to so I tried Australian publishers uh, because some many of them still have like uh, certain days of the month where they're open um, to an agented submissions. So that's what I did, but I never got any replies back. So I, I didn't even know whether they read my thing. And like, I just wanted someone to read it and tell me maybe what's wrong with it. Um, so when I didn't get replies, um, I then look to the US. Um, um, so I did look for agents here because most agents here are closed um, to queries. So the only way to get them is but through referral, so you need to know somebody, and I don't know anybody. Um, so I, I look through the US. I look to the US where you can cold query agents, and that's what I did, and I got lots of rejections. <laughs> and I think that's important to know because, like again, like we said, it doesn't happen overnight, and you have to often trial and error. Like I think artists in general just tend to work. They use trial and error as like a way of their processing and their way of finding what works for them um, in regards to um, the art that they create for the world. Um, and it just takes longer, right? It just naturally takes longer to write something or to draw or paint or color. It's just how things are for the most part. I mean, I wanna thank you so much for hanging out today. Um, where can people find you online? Um. Well, I'm on Twitter and Instagram, but um, I'm really not on Twitter. <laughs> like I, 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 I'm mostly on Instagram, but uh, it's easiest to find me through my website, um, remylai.com, which has links to my Instagram and my Twitter. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And you mentioned it earlier, but I think I'll, I want you just to mention it again. What can we look forward um, to with you coming um, in the future? Yeah, so uh, so my next one is Okasa, which is coming out um, in May, and it's about this dog, which looks suspiciously like my dog. Um, <laughs> he carries a basket, a shopping basket, and he goes um, grocery shopping. 
And um, I'm actually, I can, I can show you this. I'm actually so um, finding a bunch of special Picasso book plates that look like that. Oh my gosh, that's yeah, because so we can't, awesome. I can't, can't travel, so everything is um, done through mail and stuff. So this is, uh -huh. yes, that is and so I have, awesome. Yeah, and I have a, a series of um, young reader graphic novel coming out um, next year also. So that's fine. Wow, wow! So you're obviously very, very busy. Which is the way I like, like it. <laughs> and, and, and I think, thank you. Yeah, thank you. And I guess for me, this is just a personal question. Like, how long does it take you roughly to do a graphic novel? Like, unless, I guess, yeah. I know this is like a very broad question, but how long does it take you roughly? So the writing process um, for Picasso was pretty quick. I think uh, it, was, it only took me a few months, um, which is, um, unusually fast for me. Usually it takes longer. And then the drawing, I say, takes mm, six, seven months. Um, this is like a 220-page book. Um, but I, I didn't do the colors, so if I had done the colors, it would have taken me so much longer. Yeah, yeah. And I noticed that as well with a lot of illustrators that the first, first book or second book, like they'll do the colors and the drawings and then the third book it's like yeah i'm gonna not do the colors for this one <laughs> <laughs> just because it takes so long and if you can delegate some stuff then you can do other things <laughs> of course i 100 percent agree with you thank you so much what i'll do is